Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am Tony Serino alongside Christopher Carter, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, it is Mailbag Friday. We're answering your questions today on the show. Welcome to the show. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the new Himalaya app, wherever you find podcasts, search Locked On Steelers, hit that subscribe button, make sure to get your Daily Dose. You can follow us on Twitter at LO Steelers. You can find us on Facebook. Search Locked On Steelers. Hit like on the Facebook page, but make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at Locked On Steelers. All right, Chris, how you doing today? Doing fine, Tony. It's Friday. I am excited. Not only is it Friday, it's Mailbag Friday. We are taking your questions today on the show. So thank you to everyone who wrote in via Facebook and Twitter. We're going to try and get to as many of them as we can. We're going to go, hopefully, you know, we'll go a little under an hour, but um, we'll, we'll see how many we can get to in that time. Before we get to your questions, do want to go over the injury report really quick. Now, this is a delayed week because it's a Monday night game, so all the practices are delayed by a day. So this is the first practice report we have of the week. Uh, and basically, uh, none of the injured players practice, so there's not a whole lot to go over here. Uh, Hayden sat out. Roosevelt Nick sat out. Uh, Vince Williams, Anthony Ciccolo, Vance McDonald all sat out. Because of injury, Mark Barron was given the day off, Marquise Pouncey given the day off, and J. Ron Elliott has a hamstring that limited him in practice. Uh, the one to watch here, I think, is going to be Vance McDonald. We've talked about him. You know, he, you know, if he's not going to go, it'll be Nick Vanett or Nick Vanette, however you pronounce it, uh, who will start uh, on a short week coming, you know, coming into this organization. Uh, so the hope was that Vance can play. Watch for his practicing on Friday as you're listening to this, and then into Saturday. You know, you're going to hope that he's at least limited on one of those days. That'll make it uh, more likely that he plays. Anything else, Chris, that to really watch for on the injury report other than Vance? I mean, Hayden didn't practice, but he really hasn't practiced on a Wednesday. Or, you know, I mean, I guess this is Thursday, but it's essentially a Wednesday uh, as far as the practice schedule goes. He hasn't practiced on a Wednesday, but still played. So anything else stand out to you? Uh, you know, just you know, Vince Williams. People are hoping that he'll be that, that that he'll be available. Yeah. Um. Right now, a lot of this is precautionary for a lot of players. You know, we know Nick's is the one guy we know will not be beaten this game. Yep. Um. But, but but right now, I think you know it's tough to gauge. It's tough to gauge who all they're protecting, who all literally needs it, and you know when Mark Barron is actually going to practice an entire week. Yeah, and then on the other side, uh, for the Bengals, Carlos Dunlap and Carl Lawson, they're two big pass rushers not practicing uh, with hamstring injury. So that's something to watch as well, keeping Mason Rudolph upright and keeping him uh, you know, able to uh, look down the field is going to be a big part of this game on Monday night. All right, that's it for the injury report. Let's get to your questions, and we're going to start with Joseph on Facebook who writes in, with the Steelers acting out of character this year with trades, what are some things that you'd like to see them do that they normally haven't done in the past. Example can include signing, uh, not signing players to much guaranteed money, not negotiating during the season, letting coordinators play out their contracts, that kind of thing. Chris, um, what? now that we're in a crazy new world where the Steelers trade away first-round picks in the middle of the season, they trade away, they, they're trading, they're just trading for players in the middle of seasons, uh, what, what's some other crazy things you'd like to see the Steelers do at this point? Um, I, I don't think, the, I, I think they're kind of done with, with the trades, you know, unless someone becomes available that they were really looking at. But I mean, Ramsey. I, no, not, not, <laughs> not. 2021 just pick not is available. I, I'm just saying 21, 21 pick is still available. I mean, if, if they want to go get Jalen Ramsey, sure. I mean, cause that, that, 
Okay, okay. Allow me to entertain the nonsense. <laughs> the only possible way I could even see that happening is if they traded the Jaguars like Joe Hayden or Steven Nelson and a pick, because then the Jaguars would be, would, would, you know, they, the Jaguars would be uh, freeing up Ramsey because they don't have to pay for him next year. Steven Nelson's guaranteed money would stay in Pittsburgh. They'd get a cornerback that they could probably re-sign after after next year if they really liked him, and uh, Ramsey could sign for big money in Pittsburgh uh, in the next couple of years. But they're running out of places people to pay big money because they got a lot of people they have to pay. Don't oh, I got it. Oh, I got it. You know, you, you know, here you do trade Ben for Ramsey straight up. Boom, done deal. Let's go. Huh? The money works out. You know, it's like one of those NBA things where you got to make the money work. The money at least works out in that one. Well, what's the next question? <laughs> Although I haven't given my answer. Some crazy things that the Steelers could, some out-of-character things that they could do this year. Well, they can make the playoffs. Uh, they could win the Super Bowl. They could, no, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing. I mean, they're, they're so out-of-character at this point. I know what he's leading on here. He wants me to say fire Keith Butler in the middle of the season. Do not fire Keith Butler in the middle of the season. Uh, even, even I, who despise watching a Keith Butler-led defense, do not want the Steelers to become an organization now that is not only firing coaches, but firing them midseason. Terrible precedent to send. Do not do it. Let him, you know, if you if you wanted him to play out this year, you know, three weeks in, it's not any better, but, you know, you got to let him play it out uh, and see what happens throughout the year. All right, Jordan writes in, with the way Mark Barron has been in coverage, were we better off with John Bostic? He would have been cheaper, just as bad in coverage, and shoot, at least he was a sure thing against the run. Ouch. Is John Bostic no better than Mark Barron? Well, okay. One, one thing that I think is important to know is that Barron and Bush are both kind of adjusting to, you know, the depth that they got to go to when they're dropping back, how to feel people out. Those are similar things that I saw Shazier and Timmons have to get used to when they when they were switching up the defense a little bit. I think people, I think, you know, yeah, Barron is definitely underperforming and he needs to get better because he's the veteran that they signed to kind of stabilize the, the coverage in the middle of the field as a veteran. But at the same time, I, I do think that there's still plenty of time for him to do that and that not all is lost and that I – because mean, Bostic was a run stopper, but Bostic's also a guy that um, doesn't give you the the, the, the chances that Barron, that, that Barron gives you. Now, Barron hasn't delivered on that yet, but I, I still think there's a chance that he could, that could very well soon um, be much better – at that position. He's kind of just feeling himself out with the team. And I know people are like, well, that's not what he came here for. He was supposed to be in this to plug and play, put him, put him in there type of guy. Well, I, I this, this, this was why the Rams willing to let him go. I think it's going to take him a little bit to adjust to doing that full time. Um, I also think when Vince Williams gets back, it's going to allow them to plan a little bit better. And uh, yeah, there's so I, I do think that there is a little bit there, but I, I think that he's definitely gives them a little bit more to work with than John Bostic. That being said, if Mark Barron, uh, you know, I think he'll improve as the year goes on, but if he doesn't improve to a, to a higher standard uh, to the point where like, you know, that you are looking at him like, man, that guy's so reliable. Um, if he's just marginally better, I think we're talking about him being in cut next next year because his deal was structured to be uh to 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 not have a lot of dead dead cap space next season so that if he if he had to go he had to go and the Steelers could go get someone else. Yeah, I mean, you know, they they brought in Mark Barron for, you know, for the reasons you talked about, right? That he's an athletic player who can be better in coverage. The fact that he's no better so far than John Bostic, who by the way a year ago was saying, well they need an athletic guy in that place. You just can't do it with Bostic. 
I don't. I don't think that speaks to Mark Barron, the player. I got to be honest. I mean, I, I think this is this is a Keith Butler thing, right? These he cannot teach inside. The only inside linebacker that ever did well in his system was uh, was Ryan Shazier. That's it. And since then, they've been trying to fill this position. Um, they can't do it. They can't do it. I don't oh, think it speaks to Lawrence Timmons played well in his system. Okay, Lawrence, that's true. Lawrence Timmons, but Lawrence Timmons was at at the time a very established inside linebacker in this league. Vince, so. Vince Williams has done well in his system. Uh, Vince Williams has been an average player at best. Yeah, Mark, Mark Barron came in to, to solve the problems of John Bostic and has been... Look, the Steelers have regressed inside linebacker this year. No one wants to say it, but like Devin Bush is not a bust, but he's not good right now. And Mark Barron is arguably even worse. So the Steelers are worse at inside linebacker than, than in, and in what's, what's supposed to be an improved inside linebacker group over Bostic and Williamson. Uh, you know, to me, I'm not that. To me, that's not an indictment on Devin Bush. That's not an indictment on Mark Barron. That speaks to something higher. I I, I disagree there. I, I think you you didn't see all these tackles in the middle of the field coming from from uh, from from uh, John Bostic and LJ Fort uh, last year the way that they're coming from Devin Bush. And again, it, it, we're in we're in three games, and they, they've been put up against a wall with the uh, with the offense that that last year's defense did not have to deal with nearly as much. Um, I, I think that that's a bit of a stretch, Tony. I, I don't think that that that's necessarily uh, Keith Butler's fault that they're not doing what they're telling. I mean, a lot of times also they're biting on play action and, you know, they need to they need to not bite as much. Uh, but I mean, John Bostic bounced around the league and I, I, is even on a team right now. I, I don't think it's it's Keith Butler's fault that John Bostic didn't become an all pro in Pittsburgh. Um, and I I don't think it's his, it's his fault that L.J. Fort. I mean, L.J. Fort. He, I mean, for for a guy that was undrafted and kind of hung around the team, I, I thought L.J. Fort, well, you know, progressed very nicely within the Steelers organization. He just wanted, he thought he could be a starter, which was why he was happy to leave and go go sign, I believe, with the Eagles. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I don't, I don't think there's a there's a lack of, I don't think there's a lack of uh, coaching that's getting the inside linebackers ready right now. I, I think it's more so, hey, they're 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 feel, feeling it out back again. Back in 2016, they did the same thing. Troy Polamalu wasn't being poorly coached in 2003. He just needed to feel out what was going on in the Steelers' defense, and eventually he did. In 2004, you saw a big jump. And in 2005, he was elite, beyond elite. And I, I think that's where Devin Bush is right now, is that, I mean, you see him. He, the, the tackle numbers are insane. He's he's finding the ball carriers. The, the key is just finding them in a more efficient way, playing within the scheme and learning how to not just make the tackles, but make the plays that that shorten up the downs. You know, Ryan Shazier, his rookie year, same thing. It was, you know, they, uh, you know, he was he, he was taught he, in his rookie year, he was flying over the place. By his second year, he was like, listen, we got to win first down so we can win second down. And we got to win second down so third down is a third and long situation that we can actually defend. That's kind of where I think this defense is at, is they're figuring out that groove. But again, there's a lot of new pieces. Devin Bush and Mark Barron just got here. Steven Nelson just got here. Minka Fitzpatrick literally just got here. I, I think there's a lot of moving pieces that have to gel together before. And again, this is what I said before the season started, Tony. It's going to probably take six, seven, eight, nine weeks before we see this defense start to coalesce. And 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 now with Minka Fitzpatrick, I think there's an even be better chance that when they coalesce, they'll be even better than than what we were expecting. But that but that includes Mark Barron. That includes Devin Bush. And, uh, and and another thing is, I think that if the offense can just get together, if they can hit some deep passes, they'll back off defenses. They'll run the ball. That that'll allow them to run the ball more successfully. And then that will buy the defense more time on the sidelines to get catch their breath and not have to keep throwing you know, blitz after blitz after court at quarterbacks and allow them to see everything in the Steelers defensive playbook. 
Um, so I, there's a lot of circumstances that I think just work against what the defense is doing right now. I don't, I don't put that on on Keith Butler that the linebackers aren't all the way comfortable yet. All right, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we'll answer more of your questions right here on Locked On Steelers. Hey, before we continue, I want to let you guys know about my bookie. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or would you just keep walking? Of course you take the money, so why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet football this season, bet with my bookie. Did you know that you could bet on games after kickoff? If by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can always just take the other side. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings, and no matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and my bookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code locked on to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on. Visit mybookie.ag today. Enter promo code locked on to double your first deposit. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Timo writes in I'm puzzling a bit about the real exchange in the Fitzpatrick trade. Do the Steelers receive the original fourth round selection from the Dolphins or do they get the draft pick from the Titans, which the Dolphins received in the Tannehill trade? I guess it'll make a difference in helping me lean more liking or disliking the trade. I don't know, if, Chris, is this a troll about our, our fifth round discussion yesterday? We spent 20 minutes starting yesterday's podcast discussing the relative value of a fifth round pick. And now, Timo wants to know, are they getting the Dolphins' fourth rounder or the Titans' fourth rounder? And that's going to help him switch deal. I can't tell if that's real. I think they got the Dolphins, though. And I looked this up before we started. Um, and according to Wikipedia, which, by the way, can never be wrong, uh, they say <laughs> the, the Steelers got the Dolphins' pick. So I think they got the Dolphins' pick, which would, you know, like we talked about before, that would be a... Uh, that would basically be a third round pick. I, I yeah, it, yeah, it's the first pick of the fourth round. Uh, in fact, it's the uh, it's the first pick of the third day of the draft, which um, this year I think nabbed someone, Hakeem Butler, uh, if I remember correctly. I can't remember who that. Who, that I, was I, Arizona I, I, Cardinals, yeah, Arizona Cardinals, yeah. Yeah. Oh, look at my memory, Tony. Look at oh, my no. memory. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just jumping out the book. Okay, here's the thing. It's unconfirmed, but. I do think the Steelers would 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 have been like, yeah, you're, we're getting that fourth, not not the Titans fourth. Um, because if it's the Titans fourth, they might be moving down in the draft. You're right, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah, there's there's a few things there, but um, but yeah, if they're um, I, it is unconfirmed right now, so that's the official answer. But the assumption right now is that it was the Dolphins, you know, presumed yeah. to be first overall pick that that they got. What, what could have happened, and this does, this does get into some deals. There could have been a condition where the Steelers threw in and says we're going to take whatever pick ends up being lower. Sure, I've, I've yeah. read that that's happened before. Yeah, that's why it could be unconfirmed right now because if. For some reason, if the Titans take out and end up with a less with a worse record than the Dolphins, impossible. And, which could happen, and the Dolphins yeah. win a few games. Maybe the Steelers would get that pick. So I think that's what we're talking about: is that we're it's a wait and see who's going to give the Steelers the better pick, and that's the one that they'll be allowed to have. The you know Mike Lombardi brought this up on on his podcast the other day that the idea that the Steelers should have top five protected their own pick right they traded to the Dolphins but they say it's top you know they do this in the NBA all the time this may actually be against the CBA I don't know if you can do this in the NFL but in the NBA you definitely can what they essentially do is they say okay I'm gonna trade you a first round pick but it's top five protected meaning that if that pick falls in the top five 
you get next year's first round pick. And that, you know, that would have been an interesting way for the Steelers to do the Dolphins trade for, for Minka. Although I don't think the, I don't think the Dolphins would have gone for that. Yeah, if, if I was, yeah. if that was something, the Dolphins would have said, get the hell out of yeah. here. We're trading yeah. him for the Saints. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, let's move on here. Patrick writes in, we as fans find fault in our own team more than anyone. And we must trust the process. Oh, we're the, we're the 76ers now. Uh, do you guys believe we can make a, that run to the playoffs with the upcoming schedule, the players we have now? Can we click it on? I know I do. Chris, Chris, uh, we talked about this on Tuesday when we kind of went to the, um, you know, what is, you know, what would be the best case scenario going forward? But, do, you know, what are, if we're putting a percentage chance on it right now, what is the percentage chance that this team can go from 0-3 to what would probably have to be, you'd have to say nine and seven at the minimum, ten and six probably guarantees you a playoff spot. But that means this team has to go either nine and four or ten and three to this point, or from I'd, this point. I'd give them a twenty-five percent chance. Um, yeah, I, I hate doing numbers like that. I like that. There's no cause, because there's no actual number that computes all the things that that could be possibilities and to get you a uh a, an actual percentage or whatever but i i think they i think they have a puncher's chance because they do have athletes and they do have talent on the roster they just have to figure out what they're doing that's the problem though you know that when i say a puncher's chance they don't have a full-on strategy yet because they don't know what their game is um yeah. but they, they do have talent this is an organization that knows how to win you know, so it, it, it you know, again, it, this kind of goes back to like, uh, like you know, Rocky, like you know, uh, he's the, this is an old, this, this guy knows how to get it done. They just have to figure it out this time around. So, um, I mean, I think they got a shot, you know, but it's it's much more of an outside shot than anyone would have given them credit for before the season, um, or even after week one. But, um, uh, but I mean, right now, I think there's a lot of talent on defense. I think Mason Rudolph has a good chance to figure some things out and improve. But also, I think the biggest thing is. You know their opponents are not the biggest juggernaut. This is not a typical Steelers schedule where they're playing juggernaut after juggernaut throughout the season. And uh, you know they they get they got some teams that you know that are organizations that traditionally struggle that they could possibly beat. Yeah, and I think I think Monday night this Monday night is the, is the perfect game at the perfect time, right? I mean, it's not this has not been a great start to the year. In fact, it's been a terrible start to the year. But coming up, you know, going Monday night football at home. Big game against a division rival like the Bengals, who are also struggling, gives the Steelers a, gives Steeler fans a very good picture of where this team is right now. If they struggle or you know lose to the Bengals, season over, night night, it's done with, right? Zero and four, and you're then you're gonna have to face the Ravens, then you're gonna have to face the Chargers going into the bye week. And there's just no coming back from that. Um, but if this team can go out there and look good and beat the Bengals, like we've seen this team do on Monday Night Football in the past. Um, then, okay, you know, then there, all of a sudden there start to be some hope. Okay, he did it against the Bengals. Can he do it again the next week against the Ravens? All right, I probably give him like a 10% chance. Look, the reason I brought up the Bears yesterday is because I think that the, the path for this team is the same way the Bears did it last year, right? Not a good offense, but a very, very good defense that kind of, you know, dragged that offense with them. Offense does just enough. Defense closes out games. But that's going to, you know, look, they're, they're, that's a night and day from where they are, and that's why I also brought up the Jets because, like it or not, I think this team is probably closer to the Jets than they are to the Bears. I mean, I think this team is going to miss the playoffs. I think six and ten, again, six and ten from this point would be six and seven. I mean, you're basically playing five hundred football from this point. Uh, so this team is a long way to go. I understand that. Uh, so I, I give them, you know, like Chris said, you know, ten uh, puncher's chance, ten percent that they can put it together. We'll know more though on Monday. Maybe this team has just played three really good teams. 
Um, and that's why, you know, they've lost all these games. We'll know, we'll know on Monday after we see what this team looks like against a legitimately bad team in Cincinnati. All right, Julio writes in. Who is who's behind is on fire? Whose seat is the hottest? So there's been a Chris. There's been a lot of criticism about Randy Feekner for the first three weeks because this offense has been bad, um, and it looked like it could get better with Mason. Then took another step backwards against San Francisco. People are calling for him to be out. Uh, you know the Tomlin stuff will always be there, and it's you know it, it just it depends on how bad this season gets. You know Keith Butler I think came into this season with you know the seat warmer on a little bit or just not not like on the the high setting but on the low setting um so but in, in your mind right now as we sit here at 0 and 3 you know if they if you're going to pick a coach whose seat is the hottest well, it's got to be Keith Butler he's been he's been the, the coordinator that's there the longest i the Steelers are, i mean they just signed Mike Tomlin to an extension that gave him another and also an, an, an extra year of an option on it um, I don't see him being in trouble. Mike Tomlin will leave when Mike Tomlin wants to leave, and, and I think the Steelers are again. They're 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 a organization that is uh, you know of the top class in the NFL, and they know you don't get rid of a Super Bowl champion uh, coach uh, just just because you're going through some rough times. And I mean, especially in a year when you lost your franchise quarterback and you're, and you're, and you're, you're trading up to get young players so that you can rebuild your defense. It just, you don't, you don't do that. But what you can look at is your coordinators. And, and um, I was listening to Mike Prosciutto on Steeler nation radio uh, earlier, the, er, earlier this week. And he was talking about how, you know, back in the days of the, of the Noel days when Noel was struggling and Noel had a lot more struggling years than uh, Mike Tomlin had in when, you know, when they, when they were in the eighties. Um, now of course, Noel had the pedigree of, he was the greatest coach of all time. Um, so that, you know, that, that's kind of what held on to it. But, you know, when the team was struggling at its worst, there, there was, he said there was never a time when Noel was under pressure, but his coordinators were. And, he was told, you know, you got to make some changes. Now, what would the only thing that I think that would put Mike Tomlin in danger is if they said you got to get rid of uh, of a uh, uh, Butler, and he says no, and then they'll be like, well, if 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 he doesn't go, then you both go, yeah. and then Tomlin dies on that hill, which there's just no way that happens unless again Tomlin feels like retiring because of family reasons or he's done with this part of his life in football or whatever. Uh, but Keith Butler is the guy, I mean, he has the investments on defense to, to, to help him move forward right now. And they need to at least see improvement. And as I'm saying, I'm not saying if the Steelers missed the playoffs, Keith Butler's gone. I, I am saying that if this defense looks bad going into, you know, the, the off season, like, man, no, nothing was figured out this year then you'll see Keith Butler in trouble. But if they start to put things together, like I think they will around week, around that week eight range midseason, um, and they start to turn things around, um, and granted, it'll most likely be against teams that are, you know, that are that are below the line, you know, because you know, we're talking about the easy, easier schedule they have than normal. But at the same time, success is success. And if they find it, I think that'll buy Keith Butler at least a little bit more time. I have a hard time seeing Randy Feekner on the hot seat, especially with Ben coming back next week, or next year, and that and that's his that's his guy, especially with Randy Feekner. Excuse me, Randy Feekner having uh this, this is his second year, and last year they were the number one red zone offense in the league. I just don't see one bad year where he lost his franchise quarterback doing him in. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I was I was on a Bengals podcast this morning, and he asked me kind of a very similar question of, you know, what's going to happen here if this team does bottom out? You know, how much of this coaching staff turns over? And I said, I think probably the only one that turns over is Keith Butler. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a broken record on Butler, so we'll skip that part of this. But, um, you know, to talk about Randy Feekner, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there, which is if you want Ben back at 38 coming off of elbow surgery – the, the way to not get him back is to tell him, oh, by the way, we fired your, we fired that offensive coordinator. You're like, yeah, he's gone. You got a new guy in. Uh, you, you're going to like him a lot. You know, that, that's not a way to bring Ben back in 2020. Uh, and then really, the same can be said for Mike Tomlin, right? I mean, you know, if you clean house the whole way, like let's say this team does completely bottom out, 3-13, and 13, something horrible, right? And, they, and the Steelers did say, you know what? Actually, let's just clean the whole house. Well, you're, you know, the whole house probably includes Ben Roethlisberger at that point because Ben at 38 coming off elbow surgery wants to come into a whole new coaching staff, new new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new everybody. I don't think he does. So uh, I would, I, I, you know, and Tomlin's not, there's there's almost no chance Tomlin gets fired this year um, unless, yeah, I mean, unless, like you said. They gave an extension and, yeah. and the Steelers are not, I don't think they're a team. It, it would have to be something disastrous. Like a coaching scandal comes up. Right. Like it would have to be something ridiculous that comes up. And, and, and I just, 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 that's not happening. Yeah. But I mean, it does. I mean, I guess if, if this team does truly bottom out this year, I mean, it is somewhat of an indictment on Tomlin in that this is what life's going to be like without, you know, without Ben, right? This is, this is what happens when Ben is gone. This is what the team is left with now, you know, if it bottoms out. So, you know that, and that way, I don't think it's, it's a firing Tomlin thing. But then we start talking about maybe Tomlin is on the hot seat because without Ben, what is this thing going to look like? And if Mason's really this bad, remember they had a first round grade on Mason. Everybody's seen the picture of Tomlin, you know, smiling, watching Mason Rudolph go. So you know, the one thing uh, Tomlin hasn't had to do is find a quarterback because he inherited Ben Roethlisberger. So you know, I'm not saying he can't find another one, right? But and I'm not saying that this it's going to get him fired. But you know, do you talk about hot seat if it's three and thirteen after this year? I think hot seat talk is probably more likely than getting fired. Well, well uh, let's 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 get one thing straight, Tony. There's been hot seat talk for Tomlin since he was hired in 2007, right? But not legitimate, <laughs> not from the organization, right? I mean, only from only from the, the the fans and then murmurings in the media, but only people in the media who who it is their job to you know to make people angry and 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 that stuff. I don't think there's anyone legitimately calling for Tomlin to get fired. Like if Ed Bouchette wrote an article about why Tomlin should get fired, then I think we could talk about hot seat, right? If, if Mark mean, Madden's doing it, you know, that's that's Mark Madden's job. Mark Madden wants Juju cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's the Mark Madden wants it. Anyone that's not Ben Roethlisberger, <laughs> right. Mark Madden wants him gone. Right. All right, Joey, uh, donut, uh, the donut bag host. Joey writes in. He says, how important is a position coach during the season? It sounds like uh, because Mike Munchak left, people think the offensive line forgot how to block. You know, same with Coach Drake. You know, the other thing I'd bring up here, Chris, is that the fact that the Steelers did turn over their running back coach as well and that was I think we can agree that was probably in an effort to cut down on the fumbles maybe and but that didn't work on on Sunday how important are these position coaches I mean I think that they, they're definitely important to you know learning your position learning the the intricacies of everything that's where you see it really come in come in handy um and uh like you know you're, you see them work on certain techniques and develop certain chemistries that normally wouldn't be there um that that's where i kind of look at it and say you know what like that that position coach is really helping uh, and munchak did that munchak helped a lot of those guys that would have just been you know bottom of the line depth players become you know guys like chris hubbard that went and got a full-time contract with the with the browns um i, I think that's where you see is when you see more guys like that churn out talent like that 
that's where you see that that's where you see good position coaches. But they do they do also help with prep, prep with preparing throughout the week with understanding you know strengths and weaknesses and making sure that they, that people are coming in and out the room with a with a with a line of consistency to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, they play a role. And and uh, but it, again, if, if the position group is doing well, if there's a it's sort of like, it's sort of like, you know, like, you know, with, with the head coach, if your team's competing, if they're in games, that means you're doing something right. Right. And yeah. If, if, yeah. The, if, the, if the position group is having success, if they're if they're if they're get, pulling in their numbers, that means that that, that shows you that they're, that they're doing something right now. They may not be doing something spectacular that no other coach could do but they're holding it together. And that's sort of what position coaches do. They, they pass on the message of the head coach that, that, that wants to be involved in this uh, in, in that locker room and uh, make sure that it's implemented in the position group. I think the one that that Steelers are probably feeling most this year is of course, Munchak, right? Um, That's not a surprise. We, you know, you and I talked about this before the year. We didn't think Munchak would be a big loss this year, but you know, going forward as far as developing new talent at the position, the one thing I think we probably underrated was and this is more than him just being a, uh, a the offensive line coach. He was also you know reportedly the the run coordinator on offense. And looking at the struggles the Steelers have had running the ball this year, uh, that, that that probably has something to do with it as well. Munchak leaving not only is he not coaching the offensive line, he's not the run game coordinator anymore. And so this this, this team has to get that back together. It's still early. Um, you know I don't think I don't think you know the the loss of um, the running back coach or, or even Coach Drake um, you know is to is to blame for any of. Uh, you know what's happening so far. Uh, Munchak probably being the the most you know if you want to say someone's to blame for for how bad this offense has been. I would put you know I would say Munchak probably had the most to do with it. Uh, but even that I think only with the run game, the offensive line stuff they can figure that out. And it's really going to be about like Chris said, developing the younger talent on this team. How does a guy like Chooks develop over time? That kind of thing. All right, one more break. We come back. We're going to continue answering your questions. Hey, before we continue, want to let you guys know about Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready when the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so there's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for listeners of Locked On Steelers. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment for free. When you use our special promo code locked on, just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's bluechew.com, B L U E chew.com. Use the promo code locked on to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Josiah writes in Will you settle an argument between my friend group? Half the group thinks James Conner is great, half the group thinks that he's below average and likes to lose the game in the fourth quarter. Like say you, game. yeah, he likes he likes. He's, I guess James Conner is, uh, uh, he, yeah, he's, he enjoys losing football games, but but close, close in the fourth quarter. He wants to wait until then to lose the game. What do you think? This is this is kind of a black and white question here. James Conner is he great or is or does he like to lose games in the fourth quarter? <laughs> well, neither. He's not great, but he's not 
he, it's not that he likes to. It's just that it happens. I, I get. I, I think people were spoiled by how good Le'Veon Bell was. The guy just rarely fumbled. Wherever you know, for as much as he touched the ball, um, and people need to understand that, that, that what what Le'Veon Bell brought was a was a rarity. And, and and it's also funny because I think growing up, you know, if you were a Steelers fan, you also were spoiled because you most likely had Jerome Bettis, and he set like records for how many times he would touch the football and not fumble. So. You know, I, I think James Conner, in the fumble regards, he's he's kind of he's kind of on par with where a lot of middle round drafted running backs that aren't superstars are. I, I think, but I do think he's a good running back. He just needs to get space. But the thing is, is that he's not a guy that's going to make people miss in the backfield and get you five or six yards like Le'Veon Bell was. You got to get him space. They haven't given him space, and that's what he is. He's you know he's not he's not Alvin Kamara. He's not Le'Veon Bell, but. You know, he's he's along the lines of, you know, when you think of, you know, of, of other guys like, uh, you know, like maybe like Joe Mixon, like Joe Mixon right now, he, he's he's having a hard time in Cincinnati because yeah. their offensive line stinks yeah. and they're getting they're getting beat up. So that that's where I put him. He, he's a good running back, you know, not a not a great running back, but he's also it's not that he likes to lose games, just, you know, he, he's made those mistakes and he needs to improve that. But um, I would not put him as a terrible back. No, I think I think when we when you when you hear analytic people say running backs don't matter, running backs don't matter, running backs don't matter, they're talking about guys like James Conner, right? James Conner is not gonna win a game for you by himself. Um, if your offense isn't moving the ball, it's not just well, I'm gonna pound it with Conner and we're gonna get this thing done through James Conner. Le'Veon is was one of the guys who, if we're talking about running backs, matter. Le'Veon was closer to one of those guys. Although you look at what he's doing with the Jets right now, they you know they can't really run that thing through him either. Um, you know, and Connor's got, but Connor's kind of falling on the opposite end, which is, boy, what you don't want your running back to do is fumble and turn the ball over. And so that's why I think we're getting so many questions about whether or not Jalen Samuels should, should play. And that brings me to my, to our next question. Clint writes in, do you think Samuels should see more touches than Snell as I do? And do you think Washington has been utilized with his college teammate Rudolph now at the helm? Uh, let's start with the Samuels part of that. You know, Jalen Samuels did not get a touch last week. Uh, even though he did see some reps in the game, I, I don't know that James Conner needs to be benched, Chris. But um, where where are you as far as the splits right now between Conner and Samuels, and where this team should be uh, handing the football? I mean, I think Conner should still get the bulk, but I do think Samuels needs to be right behind him. Um, I, I think that that Samuels is a threat that they could that they need to actually use in the game, and they haven't used him, and that's the problem. Um, so yeah, I, I do agree that Sam needs to be worked into it, not targeting him and not y- giving him a carry is a, is a mistake. Um, so I, I, I'm with the, I'm, I'm with, I'm with the question here. Uh, he needs to be part of the game plan. And I think ahead of Snell, I, I get that Snell had a big run two weeks ago and maybe they wanted to feed him again after that, but biggest uh, run of the year for the Steelers. Biggest run of the year for the Steelers, but but at the same time, Samuels is also he he's shown you that he could do he could do that for you as well as be a receiving threat. Um, I think they need to give him that chance to uh, to show some of that diversity on the field. All right, let's get to it. Let's get some of the fun questions. Right, we got a lot of these, Chris. So get ready. Oh boy. Uh oh, I'm gonna pronounce his name wrong. Uh, Bryden, Bryden, I think Bryden writes in. Uh, is there a point where Duck gets in this season? Let's say May, uh, Mason can't turn it around and hope, hopefully not, but things go terribly wrong. Is there a chance they turn things over to the Duck? And and I, by the way, fans, I, I think you should notice from yesterday's podcast, I think Chris may be coming around no. on Duck Dynasty. Where no, did his man. mind go immediately when we were talking yesterday uh, about, you know, and he, he was giving that pep talk? Where did his mind go first? It went to the Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks. You got Ducks on the brain, Chris? You ready to see some Duck Dynasty this year? 
I, I, I feel like I, I shouldn't even answer this question. <laughs> it's a it's a listener wrote in who wants to know whether or not oh. we're going to see Duck this season. No. <laughs> Look, here's how you see Duck. Mason gets hurt or Mason, like, is the absolute worst quarterback in the NFL. If he Nathan Petermans, that's when – that then maybe they're like, you know what? Maybe Duck's not that bad. <laughs> but if that happens, it is – like, okay, so another uh, kid's sports movie. You, you saw The Little Giants, right? I was going to say, you're going to bring up Little Giants. Here we go. The Little, like little Giants, when, when Spike's trying to play with the Giants and, 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 like, you know, they stink, and he says, Spike's in hell. Spike's in peewee hell. That's where Steelers fans will be if Mason Rudolph turns into, is, turns out to be Nathan Peterman uh, for the – uh, you know, for the for the Steelers, but I, I don't think that happens. The other way is if if there's an injury, you know, you know, but I, I just I don't I don't see it happening. Well, you know, listen, uh, it's not I'm not I'm not ready to make duck jokes yet. Actually, I'm not going there. I'm not actually not. I'm gonna I'm gonna abstain from. You guys know what I'm gonna say. I'm abstaining from this question altogether. <laughs> uh, John writes in. As, as far as a fan, I'm frustrated on the Steelers' way of not firing coaches and uh, just waiting until their contract runs out. Should the Steelers get with the times and move on from the mentality that uh, if this year ends in a truly unacceptable way, I have to, I've been a Tomlin backer forever. I love that man. However, if things stay down, the whole Tomlin inherited Ben narrative definitely gains validity. Uh, sorry this is long. I know it may be more coordinators, but part of me is just worn out and feels the Steelers should just clean house, and it's frustrating to have to wait for Butler and Feekner's deals to be done, Tomlin's potentially too. So let's address the Mike Tomlin and, you know, should he be fired for a 3-13? and 13? We kind of touched on this already. But the thing I have always gone back to, Chris, whenever we start talking about Mike Tomlin and yeah. firing him, is the same, I'll make this point forever. Has he done enough? Would would one 3-13 and 13 year in his career, and, and, and that would be at a point where he lost his Hall of Fame quarterback for the season, um, is that enough? This, this this organization has never fired a head coach, going all the way back to when Chuck Knoll was hired in, you know, in, the, what was it, the, the late 60s, early 70s. So we're going on, you know, 50 years now of never firing coaches. Is it time now to set the precedent as an organization that it's time that, that now we are an organization that fires coaches? Because Chuck Knoll had incredible job security. Bill Cowher had incredible job security. And Mike Tomlin has incredible job security. But if one if one bad year, one year where, hey, you know what? Your quarterback got hurt and you did bad, so you're gone. What's no. the next guy's job security going to be? No, right? exactly. You don't do this. No. You you got to – Mike Tom. okay, if you fired Mike Tomlin, no coach should feel safe. Right. And you want coaches right. to not make panic decisions. That's part of what made the Steelers so good. You know, how many times could the Steelers have just said, we're going to bet the entire farm on this season – and and not and then they would have they, they would have, they would have tanked the Steelers time and time again have made the right decisions to stay competitive. You know what if what if they had said you know you know back in what was it 2013 when when Mike Wallace was holding out and they said you know what you know we we this guy this guy's a supreme playmaker we we got to believe in him right now we got to get him right now and they paid him all that money and then Antonio Brown would have gone somewhere else and now not like they would have you know won a super bowl with Mike Wallace or anything but but it like they did win a super bowl without Mike Wallace but 
they would have wasted so much money on a receiver that was not worth it had they caved in that situation. And it's because of the continuity of the organization. You don't break from what works. And I understand people are like, well, it hasn't worked in 10 years. Do you realize how few organizations win a Super Bowl within 10 within 10 years? You know, it's just like you know, there was a period where the Patriots didn't win a Super Bowl for 10 years while they had Tom Brady at quarterback. Uh, so uh, all I'm saying is you you can't just boot the boot the head coach just because they have they have a bad year. And I, I've been saying this you know, as a sort of rhetorical question for the past two seasons or three seasons. Is Mike Tomlin allowed to have a losing season? Because it seems like everyone's saying, well, you can't use the fact that he has winning seasons all the time. Meanwhile, why can't you? Um, as, as, a, as a thing to defend him. Uh, and I'm like, well, wait a second. Every other coach is allowed to have losing seasons and hang around and get a chance to rebuild with some higher draft picks and with some time to say, hey, we tried this out. Let's try something else out. But not Mike Tomlin. He, he had one losing season. Oh, Got to get rid of him. Not even a losing season. People were calling for his head last year, the year before, the year before that, the year before that. I mean, it's just like it's mind boggling. It's just I think that there's there's always been this irrational hatred of Mike Tomlin by a lot of people. I'm not saying everybody. Some people have legitimate concerns. But there are I've, I've I've argued with several people on social media, in person, on radio, on TV, who just like one person said, "Oh, you should go get Mike McCarthy." Mike McCarthy, the guy who couldn't win with Aaron Rodgers, who like come on, like that that's that's the irrationality of of, of the people that want Mike Tomlin go. Um, I, I feel you, my man. You're 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 frustrated about about the situation, and, and you're you're feeling like maybe there's some credible. No. The Steelers are an organization that does not just jump jump out of their Super Bowl champion head coach. They didn't jump on Bill Alba, jump out on Bill Cowher before he was a Super Bowl champion head coach. When they had a chance, when he was six and when he was what it was what a uh, seven and nine and six and ten in successive seasons, and then missed the playoffs the next year at nine and seven, and then two years later uh, was uh, was six and ten again. They could have dumped him at any point in time, but they didn't. They stuck with him. And he was, and they were able to build something from that because they had those low picks. That's that that that's what I'm saying. You gotta stick with Mike Tomlin if you're gonna if if you're gonna stick to the Steelers' ideology. And the Steelers' ideology is what has made them one of the greatest organizations in not just the NFL but all of sports. Yeah, and I think you know you brought up the only you know you and I have talked about this kind of off air is is uh, you know my, my the only justification that I would ever have for firing Tomlin is, is something you brought up today, which is and we've heard this in the past that. That Mike Tomlin, if Mike Tomlin wouldn't fire Keith Butler, and the reason why Keith Butler is still around is because Keith Butler is not the defensive coordinator. Mike Tomlin is, and this is something that we've heard from reporters in the past, and it's it's never been truly confirmed. In fact, Mark Caboli did a mailbag, I think it was two weeks ago, where he kind of he kind of insinuated at this twice in the mailbag because someone asked him, um, you know, when Butler's going to go and that's going to change everything defensively, and he said, "Are you sure that Keith Butler?" Is, is the one actually running this defense, and then later on said, you know, when he was asked, well, who does call the plays on defense? He said, no one in the organization will tell me for sure. Excuse me. He said, Butler and Tomlin won't tell me for sure, but I have it on good sources inside the organization that it's Mike Tomlin. We heard a DD, I think it was a DD Kumbawala who said the same thing, and it was, and the one that was damning was, was when James Harrison said, when he was asked, what was the question? Something like, you know, does Keith Butler deserve to be let go? And he said something to the effect of, no, Keith Butler deserves to be given a shot to be defensive coordinator. That's the one where I went, wait, hold on a minute, timeout. Because if Mike Tomlin is, if this is Mike Tomlin's defense, and that's, and, and now, even if Keith Butler were to get let go, it's still going to be the same thing because Mike Tomlin has the reins. Well, then I start going, well, okay, you're going to lose Ben Roethlisberger at some point, And, you know, 
I hate to do the probability shit again, but uh, pardon my language again, but uh, <laughs> but you know, just probability wise, the Steelers aren't going to have a good quarterback for a while, right? No, you know, you don't go from Hall of Fame quarterback to immediately into other Hall of Fame quarterback. Normally, it takes you a little while. You go through some bad quarterbacks, and so the way you live through that is to build a good defense. If the coaching is the problem on defense and it's not Keith Butler, then I start having a problem. Then I start getting a little more on board with maybe Tomlin does need to be like, oh, but we're a long way away from that. That's my only ju- that would be my only justification. And like I said, I'm not there yet. I'm not even close. So. I, know. I I also don't buy into this thing that, that Tomlin just like like Keith Butler is just sitting around just saying do 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 Mike Mike Tomlin calls him a plays. I don't do anything with the deal. I think that's nonsense. I, I think Mike Tomlin sits in the room. And, and in fact, I think Tony Dungy was talking about this. because in Tony Dungy one got his start with the Steelers is is grand is kind of how Mike Tomlin got his start. I, I would trust him and, and like other guys that have talked about this. They said Mike Tomlin is in the room with Keith Butler and Dale's even talked about this. Mike Tomlin's in the room with Keith Butler. They come up with the plan together, but Keith Butler is the guy that get that gets the that gets the final say. The Steelers have been one one of their biggest things. They don't micromanage. They don't Bill Belichick. And Bill Belichick has been great with it, partially because he's had Tom Brady. That's another story. But um but at the same time, you you know he, you the Steelers have made a made made it a big thing to not jump all over, all over a coordinated coordinator and hijack their plan. I, I just don't believe that Keith Butler is just sitting around collecting a paycheck, not caring about the defense. That's just that's I think that's just that's just complete hogwash. And again, people trying to place blame on Mike Tomlin for everything. I mean, I I read a column one time when Sean Sweetham got hurt in the preseason a few years back, and that's what led to them finding Chris Boswell, that it was Mike Tomlin's fault that Sean Sweetham was out there and that he should be fired. This was a column by a person who was like in the Pittsburgh media, was verified on Twitter, and I was like, this is just the vilification that I've always seen of Mike Tomlin. Everything's his fault. Nothing's his to his credit. You know, when when the team pulls itself out, it's Ben Roethlisberger that does it. But when Ben Roethlisberger has five turnovers in a game, it's Mike Tomlin's fault that they lost it's 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 insanity to me that my, right, my, but, I, but I don't think I mean I don't think Mark Caboli is one of these fire Tomlin guys I don't I think mean, Mark's I, a fire I've talked I've talked to Mark he's not a fire Tomlin guy but I but also I think that there's a lot of things that go into that even to start that conversation that you're ignoring a lot of signs that that show the other way Mike Tomlin's in the room for the defense but they also say he's in the room for the offense you know they're not saying that he runs Randy Feekner's offense or that he ran Todd Haley's offense well, I just, I just think, you know, I, look, I, we don't know and can know, right? Because even like Mark says, I don't, I can't get this out of either one of them who calls the plays and, and who really runs the defense. But to me, where the, the smoke, you know, was was when James Harrison, con, you know, basically said the exact same thing that we've been hearing from the reporters, and he's inside, you know, he played for this team, so that that's where I, you know, again, we can't know, but that to me was the, where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, all right, we got. We got anything else? I'm trying to make sure because we got to like the majority of these questions, and I'm trying to make sure I didn't miss anything that wasn't kind of a duplicate here. Oh no, we do have one more. This is kind of a good one to leave off on too because it gets us right into the game against the Bengals. Oh, I can't find it now. Do 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 do. Reviewing that on on uh, Monday for you guys, so Found be it. sure to tune back in Monday for because we will be talking specifically about that game and recapping some of the games from uh, from Sunday. And there's a big there's a big AFC North game on Sunday. It's it's uh, Browns Ravens. As a Steeler fan, I don't know who I want to win that game. Do I want the Browns to beat the Ravens and the Ravens to two and two as they head to Pittsburgh? Because if the Steelers could get a win, all of a sudden, you know, the the division is within striking distance again. Um, or do I want the Ravens to win to kind of send the Bengal or send the, the Browns into kind of a tailspin? It's an interesting game to watch. I don't know who I want to win. I think I want them both to lose. 
Unfortunately, that's impossible. All right, I found the question. Alex writes in, I'm going to be going to my first Steelers game in Pittsburgh for the Monday night Dolphins game. If we somehow fall to the Bengals this week, should I expect the Dolphins game to be our first win of the season? Um, Yes. If they lose to the Bengals, I think this team's going to be in a lot more turmoil. I, I also have them right now losing to the Ravens unless the Ravens egg out um, against the Browns or unless Mason Rudolph makes a huge step this week. Um, just because I think the Ravens are, are 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 feeling themselves a lot more on offense than people want to give them credit for, and that could become a problem for the Steelers. But um, let's not get ahead of ourselves. I think if they if, if they lose this game, yeah, that's a that's a major problem. If they win this game, I think they still got other things to worry about. But um, but but yeah, don't don't worry about that just yet. Just see how this game goes before you start going into that panic mode. Yeah, and this is but this is an absolute must win. I mean, it's an absolute must yeah. win. Because, because like you talked about, if they don't win this game, they'd probably – I mean, well, not probably. They They're out. Almost, yeah, they almost 100% do not beat the Ravens and do not beat the Chargers. Yeah. And then that game against the Dolphins is going to be one of the most disgusting games of football as a Steeler fan to watch. This team is going to be 0-5, facing a team that's tanking. And by the way, it doesn't matter win or lose for the Dolphins because, haha, we're getting your pick anyway. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's just going to be the worst thing to watch. So – Please, Steelers, do not blow this one on Monday night. They gotta, gotta, gotta win this game, or things get ugly. And these games, uh, you know, not that they're not that they're great to watch right now because it's a nail biter all the way to the end. But um, boy, it's gonna be it is gonna be miserable to watch if it's 0-5 Dolphins versus 0-5 Steelers on Monday night. All right, thank you to everyone who wrote in with your questions. This was a lot of fun. Uh, as Chris said, we will be back on Monday to preview that Steelers Bengals Monday night game. We'll also recap. Some of the game on some of the games on Sunday, especially that AFC North matchup between the uh, Browns and Ravens, There's also a big game in the AFC. The three and Bills against the three and Patriots. Could it be that the Bills upset the upset the Patriots and uh, and become the leader in the AFC East this early on in the season? Wouldn't Fingers be, crossed. Wouldn't be the first time the Bills have upset the Patriots, but it will be one of very rare times yeah. they've upset the Patriots. But you know that's why you play the game on Sundays. Patriots have been feeling themselves. Um, I, you know, I, I'm always one that you know when the Patriots start slow, they uh, you, you get scared. You get scared about them because people are going to talk about them. And they're going to say nobody believes us. Meanwhile, everyone's saying God. We just we know they're coming soon. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, but with the but now they're starting hot. They believe in themselves and they're, and they're saying yeah we're the man. Now this this might be the time. Also, don't forget they got the Bills. Do have a tough defense. This is the defense that has given. Brady Fitz, even when uh, Rob Gronkowski was there, he's this this yeah. the same defense that Rob Gronkowski uh, tried to completely decapitate Jadavius White uh, a couple years back, and you know was only suspended for one game for that. Hmm. Uh, but that's another interesting. Story. Yeah, yeah. There's, it, it's very <laughs> interesting how things work and how so, suddenly certain players don't get suspended when they're when they're on certain organizations. So, um, yeah. But all that being said, I'm watching that game. I'm watching Ravens Browns. I'm watching Chiefs Lions. That's another battle of the unbeaten's. I was talking. That's a weird. That's a weird one, though. That's a, Are you buying into the Lions at all? Oh no, no, no. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've been, I've, I've been. So when I went to law school, I had several friends who were Bills fans and several friends who were Lions Lions fans, and we would all watch games together on Sunday. So we've been joking this entire like first few weeks how it's hilarious how both their teams are undefeated and the Steelers are winless right now. And they're like, this, this is like an upside down world. Yeah. You know, but they, I've also learned, cause I think I told the story on this podcast. I'm, I think I told it in Joey's podcast, but there was one time I went to a, a Buffalo blues, which is 
the Bills Bar that used to be in Pittsburgh on Highland Avenue and Shadyside. And it was like the congregation for all Bills fans in Pittsburgh. And it was it was a wonderful place. You could go there. I never knew that there were so many Bills fans in the city of Pittsburgh. And whenever they'd score, they'd sing they'd, they'd sing their rendition of the shout song. And, and they'd say, let's go, Buffalo. And they'd, be, they'd go nuts. But they would always tank out. And they would never believe in their team. And if you ever expressed belief in their team, you cursed them. And there was one time they were up by 20. And I said, man, they're looking really good. And the whole bar says, whoa, guy, what are you doing? And, and sure enough, they blew the 20-point lead. And then everyone was like, this guy ruined it. And I was like, what did I do? What did I do? Um, and it was the same thing for the Lions. Uh, years back when uh, when Aaron Rodgers launched one of his twelve Hail Mary passes, and uh, it was the one that beat the Lions. I, I was I was sitting there, and my friend Jamie was 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 like, and she's a she's a diehard Lions fan, always been her life, and she's like, I don't care that we're up and that. Aaron Rodgers is on his own 30-yard line, and we're up by four. I don't care. This And there's only three seconds left. You know, he's going to find a way to do this. They, they always do, and the Lions always rip my heart out. And I'm sitting there like, you know what? I'm not even going to say anything. And uh, and then it happened, and I just I – just, I was like, I'm so sorry, Jamie. And it was just <laughs> – it's been rough for those teams. That's why I'm also, like, very hesitant. That's why, I, I mean, I'm not picking the Lions to even come close in the Chiefs game. But yeah. I'm still going to watch it because it's going to be fun. It, it, it should be fun, and Patrick Mahomes is always fun to watch. I oh, mean, that guy is oh, yeah. incredible. In All right, so we will be back on Monday. Before then, Chris, let people know where they can find your work. As always, find me on Carter Critiques on Twitter. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Hit me with a, hit me with any a DM. Hit me with an at. Always down to chat with you guys. Thanks so much for hitting for hitting us up and talking to us. You help make the show great, and you can keep helping make the show great by. Giving us a give, going on your your podcast home where you're where you're where you're getting your podcast either Apple Podcast Spotify give us five stars give us a positive comment subscribe to us make sure that you know that that uh, that, that you're helping us show the show everyone else what great show we put on thanks again for being with us you can also find my work on dkpittsburghsports.com where I'm the lead NFL analyst breaking down X's and O's doing all the great things there with our team getting you ready each week with Carter's classroom. Uh, with the, with today, I am breaking down Minka Fitzpatrick and showing you X Factor things about him that are make him special and should get you very excited for how the defense is going to grow. Is he number one on the Jersey Power Rankings at this point? Has he uh, risen to that level yet? He has. He has risen to that level. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I agree. He is number one for me on my Jersey. I, I don't like the number. I don't like the thirty nine. Did you hear the story that he wanted to be twenty one? He wanted to be twenty one. Oh, Sean Davis. He, he wanted, wanted to take, take he wanted to take twenty. Sean Davis is twenty one, but Sean Davis refused because he he you know he's doing that to honor Sean Taylor and uh, because he and you know, that that's 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 his team. Um, and, but that's supposedly, supposedly yeah, that's why thirty nine was just his backup pick. He always wanted to be twenty one. Well, you know, in case uh, if Connor if Connor doesn't work out at running back, the Steelers could put in either Minka or. Terrell Edmonds at running back, being that they gave them both running back numbers, so they do have some backups oh, to go. Yeah, they have some. I mean, they have some, they have some other options here if, if, uh, if Connor and, and Samuels don't work out. All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country, and Chris and I will be back on Monday for more Locked On Steelers.